It's Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. This is our weekly opportunity to sit down with award-winning journalists from all over the East End to talk about the week's headlines. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, the website 27east.com, uh, and also uh, Express Magazine. My co-host is Bill Sutton. He's the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Great panel this week. We have Denise Civiletti, who is the editor of Riverhead Local. Hey, Denise. How you doing? We have Beth Young, who's the editor of the East End Beacon. Hey, Beth. Good morning. And we have Gianna Volpe, who's the host of the Heart of the East End right here on WLIWFM. Hey, Gianna. Hey, everybody. Good to have you. Um, Beth, let's start with you. We want to talk about uh, a move to reform industrial development agencies. I'm a little unclear about this. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sort of wandering into the woods here. You're going to have to lead me a little bit about what this conversation is about. I know uh, Riverhead and the North Fork, the IDAs, play a big role in development in those regions. What, what, talk, tell us a little bit about what this conversation is about. Right. Well, in, industrial development agencies are sort of agencies that are set up to evaluate uh applications for development and uh, see if if they can um, grant tax breaks to people who are looking to develop these projects. Now, essentially, they're they're called tax abatements. So what it means is that they'll say, well, you're you're increasing the value of this property. And as of right, you would be paying this much more in taxes, but you'll pay less more in taxes. um, For a defined number of years, because you're bringing jobs to a community or um, because you're bringing something essential to the community, there has there, there's supposed to be some kind of community benefit to what they're doing, what the developers are doing. Um, now, a lot of people have different definitions of what a benefit to the community might be. Um, a big uh, issue that's come up lately is that a lot of a lot of these are property tax abatements, and a lot of our property taxes go to schools. So um, schools are getting together, and they had a big rally up in Albany on Wednesday, I believe it was. Um, that uh, looking to reform the IDA's um, ability to grant tax abatements on school taxes. Um, and this bill was introduced, I believe, early this early this January. I'm not really sure um, what chance it has of success. I don't know if, uh, if Denise knows much. Um, but um, what we're covering up here on the North Fork, we just had... Um, an IDA decision on a project that's been very controversial up in Southhold called the Enclaves. It's a luxury hotel on the main road in Southhold that's been um, in the works for the better part of a decade now. And um, it's a 44-room hotel or a 40-room hotel, uh, a restaurant in a converted B&B, and then another restaurant on site and rooms for conferences for conventions and whatnot. So, uh, well, it's a fancy place. Um, and a big project. And a big project. Um, I think they're talking about it being a $44 million project, and they were looking for $2.7 million in tax abatements. Now, um, most of the towns on the East End, the projects that are in those towns are if if people want if developers want IDA benefits they go to the Suffolk County IDA Riverhead has its own industrial development agency which has faced a lot of um <laughs> community scrutiny let's say scrutiny <laughs> in, in recent <laughs> in recent years one of the things that Southold kind of seemed a little blindsided by this because there are not a lot of projects in Southold that actually end up going to the IDA so Southold is really like this coming to Southold is kind of a new thing. And uh, the IDA is supposed to have a public hearing in the municipality where the project is proposed. So they had this public hearing back in December and a whole bunch of people showed up, including uh, one of the members of the town planning board who said it was the worst project they ever approved. The only reason they approved it was because they had no choice legally and by the town's mm. not to choose it. But but the IDA is kind of saying, well, these are land use decisions that are made at the local level. We're just looking at the economic impact of this project. Um, so they kind of really 
kind of harshly disregarded a lot of the public comment that they received. Um, and they granted the approval for these tax abatements on last week, I think it was January 25th. Um, so this is uh, going forward and it's been um, a long time. I, uh, we were just talking this morning that the Southfield Beconic Civic Association was formed several years back, kind of almost in opposition to this project. And they've been fighting it pretty vociferously um, just because it's a scale of development we haven't seen out in Southfield before. Um, but uh, it's something that um, you know, the North Fork is kind of a hot place to build things right now. Um, a huge, huge project for the town of No. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks their town is the town of No. <laughs> I don't. And I just, don't think that about Riverhead. Except for, except <laughs> to, for be clear. And to be clear, Beth, that is not point. the town of No. Yeah. You made the point at the, at the start. So the IDA is a town body is that correct no it's a suffolk, no, the suffolk county. county idea riverhead yeah. is the only one that has out out east out here. Yeah. i see there, okay. there are yeah. other towns that have their own ideas and they, they're created by state statute actually they have to be hmm. authorized by state law riverhead has one brookhaven has one babylon has one islip has one huntington has one um i think that's it pretty much covers the western uh <laughs> the western making, portion of, i don't know about making, smithtown they're making decisions that that can have a pretty big impact on the school districts mm. in particular, right? And in the school districts, I'm guessing, don't have a lot of say in how that goes. Right. None. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And I mean, now that, with it, like, the changes to the the foundation aid formula, <laughs> then it becomes another um, more This is the school districts. They, yeah, the, so the school districts. I, I, yeah. I would just, I would like to say if that, that goes the, the part, the, one of the uh, uh, things that got uh, IDA reform going in New York State, in the state capital, which is you know seriously underway right now. But um, and it's it's more than the bill that there was a press conference about, which incidentally got introduced last January as well, and just like sat in a committee and didn't go anywhere at all. So they're trying again with it. But um, one of the things that got it going was a report last February. Um, <clears throat> And that was done by a watchdog group that found that across the state of New York, I think it was $1.8 billion. Does that sound mm. right, Beth? And um, um, IDA tax uh, exemptions for school districts alone. Okay. Um, you know, I have I have kind of a, a beef about the use of the term abatement because it's kind of a confusing sort of euphemism. Mm -hmm. Um Interestingly, the state comptroller calls them exemptions because they don't get that back. They like right, reduce the taxes right. up front. And then, you know, they thought being that once, you know, this abatement period, which is the payments are secured by pilot agreements, payments in lieu of taxes. Right. Um, that once that's over, the idea is they're going to be paying, as you pointed out, more taxes than they started out paying before they built anything. And I mean, the state law has standards for what's eligible for these exemptions and what's not, but- um, So they, Denise, is the idea to let these businesses kind of get started? Is it is it to- um, Well, it, 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 it's economic development. And I had a similar situation I wrote about in, in, in West Hampton Beach way back in, in the summer of 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 2022, where um, developers who wanted to um, renovate uh, a hotel there in West Hampton Beach on, on Beach Lane, and much smaller than than the proposal in, in Southhold, it was like 16 rooms, um, you know. But they had gone to the county IDA for a a, a reduction in, in in taxes for 10 years. It was like fifty five thousand um, dollars, and and the village board um, knew nothing about it until a, a different reporter had called called board members for comment on this IDA application that there had been no mechanism to notify the board and until that point, um, you know that that there was this application. And I think and and I remember I went to to a meeting and you know and the developers you know showed up in a group that they were working with to help them apply for the 
for the IDA exemption. And they were used to dealing with um, towns and municipalities um, you know, western, you know, west, west of of the East End, that were a lot more familiar with this. But, but the point to your point, Joe, is 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 that you know the claim was that you know if they had this tax break and were able to redevelop this hotel, then it would bring people into the village, and those people that you know that that would be staying at that hotel would would then. Um, you know, go to West Hampton Beach restaurants and go to the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center and, you know, and utilize all the, um, um, you know, the the, the economics of, of, of the village and, you know, for weekends at a time or, you know, for a week at a time or or whatever. So it's economic development is the idea, I think, behind this. Yeah, there, there are standards in the law and, you know, it's got to be there's got to be an economic benefit. It's got to be either like the improvement of a blighted property or blighted area um, or uh, job development, you know, increase in, in jobs. And, um, you know, that they're all, the law also requires that they say that they cannot actually do the project without the IDA benefits, that they right. need this in order to do it. And, and they have to establish that at a public hearing. And I mean, you know, they, there, there are school district tax exemptions, which, as we know, make up like 65% of the local property tax bill. There are town and county property tax exemptions. And then there are exemptions of state mortgage tax, state sales tax, and state and county uh, sales tax. So it's a, it's a whole lot of money. And, um, you know, last year alone, there was like over $2 million that, um, the and tax exemptions that of Riverhead school district taxes, property taxes. Mm. Um, you know, that's a chunk of change, mm-hmm. really. And so, 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 what, so yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I mean, so, so I'm going to, you know, I'm only familiar with the case in West Hampton Beach. So, so that's an economic development for, for the village and, and, you know, and, and eliminating some of those village taxes makes sense. But, but that economic development, I don't know that that has a positive impact on the school district. So right. if, if there's, you know, a reduction in taxes being paid to the school district, I don't know that that makes sense. And, and, you know, and I imagine the same, you know, the same thing in Riverhead and, and, and Southhold. What's the or, or the rest of the state, I guess, um, you know, how, how does that benefit the school districts if, if these businesses are are developing? Well, I mean, the idea is that it's a future increase in the tax base. I mean, that's the premise. And right. the school officials are like, well, that's all well and good. But, you know, that's going to be increasingly they're getting 20 years in Riverhead. That's, you know, 20 years down the line or even 10 years down the line. By the time this kid who's starting school today um, graduates, we're still not seeing this, you know, and it's costing X amount of dollars every year to educate a child. So, so Beth, so, what's the nature of the reform that's being discussed? I don't think it's really fleshed out, actually. Um, <laughs> the, so people know that we, we acknowledge there, there are issues and there are problems here, but the question is how to address it and how to. Yeah. I mean, they're just competing been... bills basically yeah. in pending now. You know, I mean, the one that they had this rally about. I'm sorry to step on you, Beth, but it no, was just, a, it, it's a yeah. bill. It's like one sentence, and it says that IDAs shouldn't should not be allowed to waive school district property taxes. Mm. Period. You know. Yeah, pretty much. So that would be a big change. That would be a big change. Yeah. And IDAs are opposed to that. Um, there's a lobbying organization called the Economic Development Council that has like 900 members. A lot of them are IDAs. Um, they're, you know, they came out with their own report about how good IDAs are. And so this is kind of like hitting a flashpoint. I mean, this year, I think we're going to see between now and budget, you know, or maybe certainly by the end of the session, some some things happening. So it's going to be interesting. It seems related to Denise. We can slide over to a story that you did this week that talked a little bit about behind the scenes, the connections between developers and government and how the line may be getting blurred a little bit. What did, what did you find out this week? I would just also like to add, it seems like every big commercial industrial development and apartment buildings downtown are all IDA projects. Mm. Like, that's how pervasive it is. Um, so Alec Lewis has really been doing a lot of really good reporting on this subject of a particular proposed development that 
um, we only learned about, thanks to his reporting, by him looking at, you know, examining the campaign finance disclosure reports last year. And there was this developer, well, we didn't know what was the, there was somebody, this firm from Westchester, okay? And he was like, oh, who is that? You know, everything that he, you know, we don't know who it is. He, he looks into it and he finds it's a real estate company and he goes to their website and it's got this like page about the North Fork Resort and Spa. So he's like, oh, really? Starts looking at that. And they have this the acreage on Long Island Sound and somewhere in Riverhead was kind of like we took a little figuring out to figure out exactly where it was because it didn't say. And um, anyway, turns out that this developer gave a $1,000 contribution to uh, Supervisor Hubbard's campaign and a $1,000 contribution to a council member, uh, Ken Rothwell. Uh, wasn't the development company, but uh, somebody, uh, one of the principals in that company. And even though Councilman Rothwell wasn't running for uh, anything last year. Um, and so, you know, we started looking into this and lo and behold, like all of a sudden there's a, a proposed co zoning code amendment that would allow the development of hotels and spa resorts on the Long Island Sound in property that's zoned for residential development only currently what a coincidence um, and yeah. uh but you know nobody knew anything about this development firm this is what we were told they didn't know anything about any proposal from them they never heard of this before and then it was like oh yeah well actually we met with them a couple of times pre-submission <laughs> conferences but um you know it was just a concept plan there was nothing solid or anything like that so this was what we were told last, like October or so. I mean, we've got the stories on our website. I don't have the dates in my head, but and then, then we fought. Then you know they they trot out this code that is really perfectly tailored for this project. And um, so Alec, because it's a crazy kind of guy he is, he's a good reporter. He's um, a good journalist. Files, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Files of foil requests seeking. Um, email correspondence, notes from meetings, et cetera, between town of various town officials and each other and, and this developer, its representatives, et cetera. And um, last week, um, got back a luminous, you know, correspondence and um, document e emails. And, you know, it's um, kind of... <laughs> I mean, can I just read th th something? Okay. Please do. Because from Thursday, April 13th at 6.58 p.m., um, an email from the attorney for this development firm um, to Dawn Thomas, who's the community development director and has since been made the planning director and the economic development director. Um, for Riverhead. Dawn, for Riverhead Town, sorry. Uh, Dear Dawn, as we discussed earlier this week, our client, Alan Weissman, has agreed to assist and fund payment for VHB Engineering, specifically Teresa Elkowitz, David Workman, and I, to work with the Town of Riverhead, specifically Anne-Marie Prudenti, Deputy Town Attorney, and Matthew Charters, Planner, as to the preparation of the necessary secret analysis review slash compliance for the TDR's transfer of development rights and special permit amendments for agritourism, that's what they called this code that they brought out, the agritourism code, uh, and, um, due to limited town staff available, current town workloads, and time constraints. Mm -hmm. As agreed, please discuss and review the feasibility of same with them represent. If this is acceptable, please advise and reconfirm same. The work scope proposal for the services required can then be specified, directed, and agreed to by the town with all concerned. So... The so, developer has said, we're we'll going to work, work with you. We'll, <laughs> we'll write the code for you since yeah, you're so exactly. busy. But like, so there it is in black and white. And um, and then we got a bunch of emails um, that, you know, document that this is what, what happened. Uh, they refer to some, some records that they did not produce for us. So we're, you know, going to be challenging that if we don't get them. Um, including a collaborative document with tracked changes. Um, and, um, you know, so this is how this code came about. And right up until this week, 
they're still saying, oh, this co really has nothing to do with this proposal. And they didn't file a site plan yet. And mm. but meanwhile, there were site plans actually attached in this correspondence. They just haven't formally submitted a site plan application. Wow. It's um, ridiculous. Yeah. So, so the, the title of the show is Behind the Headlines. <laughs> and you kind of get an idea of how you you pry information like this out. And I mean, it demonstrates that the we talk a lot about the freedom of information and open meetings laws and things like that that we do as journalists use pretty frequently and as a matter of fact as an aside uh, bill and i were just involved in a conversation this week with the new york press association and cornell law's first amendment project uh to try and get more resources to local media to challenge you know, to fight these foil. And this demonstrates why it's important, because what officials are saying publicly about these key issues doesn't always line up with the documents that you can mm -hmm. you can dig out with uh, using using this, these laws. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. crucial that we have that ability. And Alex, Al, Alex, been a, a, a an example of of a young journalist showing how you use that stuff appropriately. This is a great mm -hmm. example of that. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And, you know, it's. I, I'm not sure where this goes, but, you know, this is what we have. And, you know, when he interviewed uh, the supervisor the other day, his first reaction to being told, oh, you know, was like it, he seemed like he didn't really wasn't aware that this was going on. And he said, well, that's not right. I forget the exact quote that he gave Alec. Um, and then the following day, Thursday, um, he starts out the town board work session by reading a statement that says that. Um, this is how uh, it's it's done like this a lot. And, you know, and he listed these other zoning code amendments that he said were collaborative efforts with other other developers. And um, this is you know nothing to see here. No big deal. And, you know, we have great staff in the town. And, um, you know. So we'll see. I don't know. Fortunately, you have you have great staff as well. And, yeah. and, yep. and Beth is a terrific journalist. And you guys are keeping a close eye on that because so. uh, I think it's it's one of those things. It's a little in the weeds, but it's important mm -hmm. for you guys to stay on top of it. No question. Very important stuff. It involves well, I, a lot, a a lot of like tax money. A code like this has a big impact. I mean, you know, yeah. these folks, as far as I mean, they we don't know if they're going to try to get IDA benefits or anything like that. But like, you know. This is not even an application yet, but, you know, if this code could have a lot of implications for some other properties because they they're because they I think they were looking to try to avoid spot zoning, like just mm -hmm. you can't zone for one. So they made it a little wider so that it affects this entire zoning use district along the North Shore of the town of Riverhead, along the Sound. And, um, you know, that could potentially have you know, widespread impacts across the North Shore. The properties yeah. have to be at least 100 acres to qualify. But hey, guess what? The um, developers, uh, in this instance, the developers planning consultants actually mapped that out for the town and submitted to them a map showing the other properties along the shore that in this district oh. that will potentially, <laughs> potentially oh. could be developed. I mean, they they did great work. I gotta say, like I, you know, now, can I just also I want to add one more thing. This is going on, okay, while the town is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to its second consulting firm to develop a comprehensive plan update. Right, and it's being done outside of that process at the same time. Yeah, why? Well, I mean, why? Why there. wouldn't the consultants, if the town town planning staff was unable to to look at at that code change why didn't they hire consultants to do that rather than 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 allow why a developer to come this, in and do that why why didn't they do this in the context of the comp plan when they have consultants yeah. working on the plan for the land use in the town of riverhead yeah. for the next 20 years you gotta wonder yeah uh, mm -hmm. you know but nothing Crazy. to see here <laughs> Great stuff. Move along. Very, very important <laughs> oh my for you God. guys to stay on that. And I, I, I yeah, think people, we will. I, I think people understand why it's important. People who pay attention to this stuff. Uh, yeah. This is this is important stuff. 
This is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists this week are Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, Beth Young of the East End Beacon, and Gianna Volpe right here at WLIW. And Gianna, I actually want to turn to you next. Uh, you had a conversation, I think, with Lars Clemenson this week, right? Yes. Um, at Hampton Bay's uh, school district, uh, the superintendent there. And you talked with him a little bit about a new program they have over there that has to do with teaching kids financial uh, aptitude, right? Is that what to talk yeah, about so this a little bit? <clears throat> it, was, it was in context. So it was just ahead of the info session about the uh, Hospitality Academy, <clears throat> which sort of feeds into the whole conversation about this, this medieval thing we have going on uh, out here where it's like the lords and the serfs. You have the money class and then you have uh, the folks that are, are really struggling to remain out here and, uh, you know, working several jobs and, and trying to piece it all together. So they were talking about the hospitality academy that's that's teaching um, people how to, you know, stay here. It's something that I'm familiar with uh, doing it that way. And it. I said, you know, I'd really love to also talk to you about this banking center. I believe it's with the state and uh, teachers federal credit union that would, they put a banking center. Is it in the high school? Do you guys know if if the, they actually put something into the school or is it just a program? That's I'm, not sure. I, I'm not sure what you're asking. Is it? For which like, program? Did, they put, did they put like an actual uh, some sort of uh, something inside the actual like a school? banking institution? Actually, I'm not sure about the details of how that works. I know that the district was working with the federal the credit union to try and set up a program that would be about teaching the students more about. Oh, great. Yeah. And, and that that's definitely, um, I think, just a just a terrific idea. And, and it does sort of. I, I feel like Campton Base has been really aggressive on this front with doing some different things. You talked about the Hospitality right. Academy. That's about training um, young people in industries, the hospitality industry out here. It's it's like a trades opportunity for you can work at the North Fork Resort and Spa right. and have a <laughs> and have a career. The and simple fact that you can find a school. You can find a place to live. Like it or not, it's a huge yeah. part of the economy, and there are Absolutely. plenty of jobs out here for that, and mm-hmm. and plenty of upward mobility, um, right. you know, in the in that industry too. So, so large. If, you, if you learn to say, if you learn to save right, so I think like that's because it's something that for me personally, being in hospitality, being in service, there is um, part of that culture that uh, you know I was very different from a lot of you know there was a lot of uh, people would. Uh, spent a lot of what was coming in and I seem to be like there was it, it was a lot of people doing that and for me I would just be like saving 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 but you know I think that's because not a lot of people are taught about the the importance of really socking it away and um you know I was one of very few freshmen at college that didn't take, didn't get the free pizza to sign up for a credit card because I knew better because my father said, do not get a credit card, you know, because when you're, your brain isn't finished when you're mm-hmm. 21 and, and, and you end up like, Oh, don't I want to be fun and don't get a credit card. <laughs> you know, wait, 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 slow down. Wait till your brain, wait till your brain finish. You said that at 25 or, or however it, and let alone, still, let, uh, let know, alone and, trying to leave, you know, these are these are kids that in a few years are going to have to figure yeah. out how a 401k works. If, right. they, if they're lucky, if they get a job. Paying, paying back your student loans. Paying back so, student loans. You know, so. like, and this is all. So I saw a great meme that said, you know, uh, it was like a 22. said, you're 22. How do you not understand how taxes work? And, and they said, well, first of all, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Basically saying that this stuff that you're, you're being taught in high school is not um, 
exactly or has not classically been stuff that you're really, really going to need in order to uh, not only survive, but thrive. Credit is a huge uh, thing that that many people don't understand uh, could, you know, separate you or or disadvantage you in the future or or advantage you. So everything's based on your credit score. Nobody taught me that. Until it was too late. (laughs) Right. So it's like, you know, Lars and I spoke about how, you know, some some kids that are not from the money class, these these little extras in schools, uh, you know, your robes and 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 rings and all this stuff, they can really like sometimes kids need to pay for them themselves or or figure it out or. Or get a job. I mean, I started working at 14 and, you know, the the, the earlier you learn about the value of saving and, and how how to really uh, budget your life and, mm-hmm. and, and get where you want to go and have what you want to have, you know. Uh, it makes- I mean, there's a lot of adults who need that training. Exactly. If, we can, if we can begin that training um, in high school, uh, you, you might have some people coming out of school a little more prepared. So it's right. basically like a financial literacy course. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there is a banking space within that. the school. I just looked it up. Um, yes. They got, yes. Yeah, they got cool. funding from. And I, just, I, I, w- I was going to say, I mean, it was always the old, you know, the old line when I was younger. You know, you got to you got to teach kids how to write checks and, you know, and all that. And I'm thinking nobody writes checks anymore, yeah, but that's, that's that just shows, shows my age. But But yeah. you've got to learn that stuff. You've got to learn how to how to interact with your bank and, you know, and, and, and all that stuff is just really important. You know, it's so funny because I thought that I was a step ahead because I opened a, I opened a bank account when I was 14 and I would, you know, save and save and save. But then I moved out to Long Island and I had been with Bank of America and there wasn't a lot of them. So I was like, I'm going to move over to Capital One. So I went marching into to Bank of America and I said that close my account. I, I want to keep it simple and have my capital. And they're trying to say, don't do that. Don't do that. And I said, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> Close my account. And I cannibalized this incredible, I didn't understand even then how I was 22, 23, how credit really worked and that the length of your open accounts contributes to your number. Yeah, closing, closing, closing an account you don't use can sometimes damage your credit score. It doesn't seem to make sense. But, you know, I think I think back, we've all heard the derisive term home ec that that, you know, the schools offered home economics. This is kind of home ec. Well, I mean, it's kind of where we are. This is this is home economics to some degree is just knowing how to run a household, knowing how to run your personal finances. And it is so much more complicated today than it used to be. Can you imagine being a 22 year old with Bitcoin floating around as an option? And and I I mean, the the uh, it would just be a hill to climb for. For most teenagers, I would think, and and it's it seems like it's really getting ahead of the problem. I, I you know tip it a hat to Hampton Bays for for trying to address this, and they're going to get some help from a financial institution in doing that as well, which I think is a, a big part of that equation too. It's very cool. I would love to see other schools and districts follow suit and start um, at least adding some of this stuff to their curriculum because it's it's just. It's unbelievably important. Mm-hmm. No question. Uh, of, of, you know. And people. I'm proud of Hampton Bays setting the setting the pace again. And my, my home district, always happy to see that. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit. Denise, I want to talk about Peconic Bay Medical Center. Uh, there was a vote taken this week that uh, is, is a little uh, concerning for folks who rely on Peconic Bay for medical care. What, what's going on? Uh, yes, on Thursday, the local bargaining unit of the uh, New York State Nurses Association, which at Peconic Bay and other hospitals, I guess, as well, 
represents uh, not only nurses, but other healthcare professionals working in the hospital, like pharmacists, you know, people working in imaging, people working to draw blood, like almost like it seems like almost everybody else that's not a member of the other unions, like the cafeteria workers and stuff like that. And I guess the doctors are not unionized at all. I don't know. But uh, at Peconic Bay, this bargaining unit is like 400 people strong. Um, so that's, you know, a good chunk of the of the people who work at the hospital. Um, and um, they voted to authorize a strike. Um, mm. They said that um, Peconic Bay, they're seeking wage and benefit parity with other hospitals on Long Island. They said that Peconic Bay's um, the members of this bargaining unit, the nurses and others, um, have the lowest wages of any other hospital on Long Island, including the hospitals in the Northwell system, which um, you know Peconic Bay is part of. Their starting their starting pay, they said, was uh, is twelve thousand dollars a year less than other hospitals, and their top wow. pay is thirty two or thirty three thousand dollars a year less than other hospitals. Um, another another hospital in the Northwell system, LIJ Valley Stream, also voted to authorize a strike yesterday. Um, their issues are not um, wage and benefit based, but um, they're, they're seeking um, increased staffing. They say they have staffing level issues. But of course, like low wages present eventually present staffing problems because you can't attract sure. and retain uh, employees. So this is not, they're not like on strike right now. They're, this is an authorization to strike before they actually can strike. They have to, I guess, give, they said they have to get 10 day notice to the hospital management, but they have the not hospital, done that. They haven't they've done not that. done that. First, they have to vote and they're not planning to do that right now. They're said, they said that they're, they want to continue to be at the back at the bargaining table. And um, the hospital management also said the same thing. They, plan to continue to bargain in good faith with the union and are optimistic. They they said yesterday that uh, Thursday that they will reach a, resolu a resolution of this satisfactory to all sides. We can only hope that's true because this would, you know, really uh, make hospital operations difficult at best, I think. So um, I hope it doesn't come to that. But it's you know, a big bargaining were, chip to, to it, have have that vote already have taken place it, when you go back to the is. bargaining table. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even like, you know, a slim majority. It was 99.5% of the people wow. voting and the, the voted to authorize it. So, um, yeah. It, it highlights something we've talked about over the last couple of years, but I think is an increasing problem that maybe is happening behind the scenes. And that is that the local hospitals are all really struggling to retain um staff and to balance their books i, I think mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a challenge for all the hospitals i mean I, I know that stony brook southampton hospital is in a different system from peconic bay medical center but they also have a, a real problem with staffing right now and, and finding people and being able to retain people and there was a story told uh at a recent event we had that um the hospital in southampton hired a person for one of the positions there, uh, and I don't remember what it was, but they sat in traffic for one day and then resigned that they were oh, coming wow. from the West and, and it had a two hour commute and resigned after one day on the job. And, and so the package of what the compensation is and everything has got to, to make it worthwhile for people to take those jobs it's becoming more and more of a of a crisis i think at this hospital would, would there be like an if would there be a housing element uh in the uh, southampton college campus when the uh hospital moves? they're, they're, they're oh, talking yeah. about that yes that was that was part of of governor hochel's um, housing proposal a, a, a few weeks ago was to use um you know un, undeveloped state-owned land um, yeah. for affordable housing. And um, and there are, are, were discussions about using part of the college campus, Southampton, Stony Brook, Southampton College campus for housing. It wouldn't necessarily be all for, um, you know, for medical workers, but certainly I think that that would be a large group of, that would be huge. Um, you know, people that would, would utilize that. And I think that you're going to have to find solutions like that. It's amazing um, but, how no matter what we talk about, that affordable housing piece is 
is integral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything comes back to it, no question. And and you you make a good point, Gianna, that that a lot of local businesses now are starting to buy properties to house workers. And and right. it should be noted, and I'm fairly certain this is true, that Stony Brook Southampton Hospital has been doing that for years. They have properties in the village, not far from the hospital, that doctors and, and other healthcare professionals are have the opportunity to rent from the hospital. Um, so they were sort of ahead of the curve on that. But yeah, yeah and, and anytime there's a conversation about affordable housing, at the top of the list of, of people we're concerned about are healthcare workers because uh, we're having trouble retaining them. And, and Denise, the Peconic Bay situation yeah. shows that it may be also a matter of, uh, of compensation. It's just not keeping up. Yeah, I, I, I just I find it curious. So expensive. Yeah. I, I find it curious that the compensation is lower at Peconic Bay than than in other Northwell facilities. You 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 would think that there would kind of be a, a level playing field among all their facilities, but I guess they're they're all a little independent, right? I don't know the reason for that. I mean, it may be I mean they're as things go, a somewhat recent addition to the Northwell system. So perhaps right. they lagged behind before, but I really, I, I, I don't know why. Um, yeah. I probably, if it wasn't so cold out, I should have asked somebody that question yesterday, standing on the sidewalk <laughs> across from the hospital, shivering. It was 45 degrees. It really wasn't that cold, but boy, oh boy. Um, no, but that's a good, that's a good point, Bill. Like, you know, what's the, what's the reason for that disparity? Um, the only thing I can think of is that it, you know, they were latecomers to the system and they were behind to begin with. I mean, Riverhead, you know, is a lower income area than like Great Neck. Right. So, you know, maybe they were able to pay less, lesser wages than the hospitals, you know, the main hospitals in this system. I don't know. But well, and, certainly and I think you, you, you don't have some of the same issues that Joe was talking about. You know, on on the on the South Fork, I think you know, with with the with Peconic Bay, you may have an opportunity for more people who are are living in Riverhead to you know to work at that hospital. It's not like people have to have to come in from you know from. I, I'm sure they do, but you know, from points west, like you do with Southampton. Yeah, I mean, it's getting less and less affordable. It's getting less and less affordable here, but not like it, not like it is in Southampton. It's, it is so hard to get into Riverhead sometimes. And I think about it and I'm like, wow, this is more trying sometimes accessing Riverhead than accessing Southampton. I'm, I'm often really? flabbergasted by that. Yeah. You mean just the traffic? Yeah. Like, where, you know. where are you coming from? For example, like if you're heading into downtown Riverhead at... Four thirty-five o'clock. Oh, yeah. Main Street is pretty backed up. Out. Yeah, yeah. All, all those lights rough. between the traffic circle and uh, Roanoke Avenue. It looks like a star. Uh, You'll look at the GPS, stuff. and yeah. it's just like red and orange, and there's just no. Yeah, especially with the street oh, all up with the gas know. maze going in. If you create Gianna's shortcuts for Riverhead, we'll never speak to you. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that. I remember when Waze ruined the boulevard. And I would yeah. never do that to <laughs> There's be, no boulevard here. Secrets, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. I wanted to, yeah, and, you know, sometime I'd love to talk about coastal resiliency because I think about how much I, I, I wanted to live on the boulevard so badly my whole life. And now, you know, you look at Mon- what's going on with Montauk. You look about, you look at, at everything and I'm thinking, you know what? No, it's too close. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be further from the water. I'm happy to be like in the middle of farm country where we have yeah. higher elevation. <laughs> yes. We're we're all going to be closer to the water in the coming yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, it be waterfront property. Yes. <laughs> little little worrisome. <laughs> so I should remind people that this is behind the headlines on WLIWFM. <laughs> I'm Joe Shaw. The co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. And our panelists are Gianna Volpe of WLIWFM, Beth Young of the East End Beacon, and Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local. Bill, we had a story this week about the new scourge, right? Uh, the, the, those, the, those, the, those, the rowdiness surrounding... Those. Those bad, bad, bad pickleball players. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
What's going on? So, so, so apparently at uh, at SYS, um, Southampton Youth Services, which is the the huge athletic facility in, in North Sea um, that uh, was partially funded by by Southampton Town and 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 hosts, um, you know, athletic activities, um, a majority for, you know, for for kids, but also for adults. So so they have some um, some courts that are available um, in the mornings during the week um, on a first-come, first-served basis, um, but they've been utilized by um, pickleball players because, as we all know, pickleball is the fastest-growing sport in the uh, in, in the United States. I haven't played yet, but I think, Joe, maybe we should go out and, and, okay. and learn together. But looks but like anyway, fun. I just need it, to learn it, the rules. Yeah, you, you, you got to do does. some undercover reporting and see what's going on here. <laughs> why these pickleball players got a timeout? Right. So, so apparently, um, the, the there's a, a, a group of regular pickleball players who come in and and utilize the uh, the the facility, the court in in the morning. But by by all reports, um, they were. Um, uh, obnoxious and um and in speaking to staff members at, at sys were um were, were rude we we didn't get a lot of details about that sys didn't want to go go into too much detail um but as gianna said they they called a foul they called a timeout and they told these pickleball players um that they were not allowed to uh they they were not allowed to come in and use the facility back from January 24th through this coming Monday, February 5th, as kind of um, a, a lesson, um, I guess, to to calm down. And they said that uh, when, when play resumes on February 5th, if that behavior continues, um, you know, then then that suspension could uh, could be implemented again. They didn't say um, on a permanent basis, or I, I guess they, they did. They said, um, you know, they would be at risk of losing court time permanently. So, um, the, you know, the, the question is what what exactly <laughs> drove uh, drove SYS to, uh, you know, to to throw those penalty cards um, uh, um, and, and all that. But and, and but good you know, for and, them, and, good for them setting boundaries and, you know, demanding respect for for staff and sure. you know, treating treating people of all kids of all ages uh, with the same respect, you know, if you can't play nice, then you can't play at all. And that's just the way it's going to go. It's been fascinating for me to watch the scourge of pickleball because (laughs) you also have in different places where it becomes popular in East Hampton. I know there was a big throwdown about the noise that it's a, that it's a noisy sport to, to have nearby and I just think it's funny when pickleball first came out, it seemed so benign and so wonderful that it was great for older citizens. And 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 now the backlash has everything seems to have a backlash. No question. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's society in general, right? Yeah. And that that and that entitlement that if I'm going to come and play pickleball, then you you better um, you better make me happy <laughs> playing pickleball because I'm going to use your facility or. Or whatever. I'm sure it's. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> now, has anybody here played pickleball? Any of the no. five? Uh, I know. I know. Uh, with a ten-year-old, she told me different rules than. <laughs> I I tried it once in the context of a story I was doing about pickleball. Like this is like a number of years ago, and um, you know. Is it, it like kind of like a cross between tennis and ping pong? Yeah, I mean, it was okay. it's sort of tennis ping pong. It's sort of a combination and and a lot less running around because the court's smaller, yeah. right? Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's designed for people of a certain age <clears throat> and, right. um, you know, whose knees may not be up to playing on a full tennis court, let's say, for example. Um, and so it's like a half court thing and you have a partner. And um, it's a little more mellow, but boy, they get really uh, very yeah, serious I've about some, it. I've seen some videos. There, there are some people that are not yeah. mellow about it. They're at all. very serious. Taking it so, very seriously. Yeah. We have pickleball tournaments in uh, at Stasky Park, and they put in pickleball courts in other parks around town in Riverhead as well. So it's a very popular sport. Um, this, this story definitely got uh, me interested. Like, I want to go down and watch 
You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to wait at least until Monday. Well, Parental guidance because they're not playing. I can head into Scott. I can head to Stotsky as long as it's not you know four thirty five o'clock. Maybe don't take your child. <laughs> just just to be safe. So we have a couple minutes left. Um, I wanted to take a second, Denise. You you mentioned you wanted to correct something from last year. I think it's important for all media outlets to have a corrections box where where you 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 know, revisit things. There was something mm -hmm. you said last week that you wanted to correct real quickly. Yes. I, I made a statement last week that the DEC had issued on uh, issued a permit um, for a mine expansion, a sand mine expansion in uh, on Young's Avenue. And, um, you know, my bad, I know better. They had not yet issued the permit, but they had um, actually taken lead agency and issued, uh, now I don't know if this means anything to people listening, but under the secret review process, they, they said, we're going to be the ones to review this, not you, town of Riverhead. And um, they declared, they, they, they issued a determination of non-significance, meaning it wouldn't have any significant negative impact on the environment. And this was for um, an expansion, a vertical expansion of a mine, of a mine rather, that, um, uh, to go down into the groundwater um, like by about 100 feet or something like that. I'm not, don't hold me to that number, but in that range. And the town of Riverhead sued the DEC over that. Um, so but I had the DEC said, hadn't actually granted They hadn't permit. actually issued the permit yet, but they had lined everything up to, to do that. And um, so I just Got wanted it. to, you know, put that out there. Um, Got it. Because I, I well, felt really bad about it. And I wrote a story about updating the public on that whole situation because I hadn't done a, a, a story on that in a while. An easy to mistake to make, I'm sure, given the DEC's propensity to approve sand mines. On, yeah, on yeah, it's been a, so. been a been a situation, definitely. <laughs> sure we, got about, we got about a minute, Gianna. There's a bunch of events coming up that you. Oh want yeah, about. Harbor Frost uh, kicked off Friday night. The Taste of Sag Harbor, and Eugene Casey's going to be playing at Bay Street that night, uh, seven o'clock. Ground uh, breaking black musicians at LTV Studios uh, and poems for world peace at Canio's Books, also in Sag Harbor. I don't remember the exact time that they get started there, but you can always check online and see what's going on at Canio's. Lots of stuff going on. It's not a it's not a quiet off season. There's no, there's plenty of stuff to do out there. No question. Yeah, it's it's amazing what, what the last few weekends. It's almost a struggle. For me, trying to just like mention on air what's going on, I, I always inevitably forget something. That's great and, stuff. And with with uh, Harbor Frost, um, if you want to pick up a a uh, Sag Harbor Express or, or Southampton Press, um, we had uh, a, an insert that has the full schedule of everything that's going on uh, up there this weekend. And I think it's online as well too, right, Bill? I think so. Yeah. Okay. We're out of time for this week. Thank you to our panelists, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, Beth Young of the East End Beacon, and Gianna Volpe of WLIWFM. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. And thank you to my co-host, Bill Sutton. And I'm Joe Shaw. We'll be back next week with another edition of Behind the Headlines. Thanks, we will not be. We will not be back oh. next week. Uh, we'll be off for two weeks. Oh, we'll that's right. after that. Another correction. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here today.